Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The Lions got rid of all their kickers. And the Houston Texans just kept on being the Houston Texans. I want to focus on that for a minute. Despite reports that teams were in fact interested in making a deal for Deshaun Watson, the Texans still have him. And by all accounts, they still do not intend to play him. Right? They have him. They don't want to trade him. Well, they do. But they're asking for an absurd amount in return. And they're more than willing to just keep him and pay him to do nothing at all. Like a weird-ass situation. Even for a weird-ass organization like that. So let me give you an example. Aside from them paying him $10 bucks to do nothing. How about their depth chart? It is one of the strangest things you're ever going to see. This is what the depth chart on the team's official website read today. At the quarterback position, first team, Tyrod Taylor. Second team, nobody. It's blank. There's nothing there. Second team, nobody. Third team, Davis Mills. So that pretty much covers it, right? First team, second team, even if second team has nobody. First team, second team, third team, done. Right? Wrong. Because after the Wrong. third team, there is another designation. That designation is, quote, other. First team, second team, third team, other Deshaun Watson. They list Deshaun Watson under other, which is tremendous. Like, awesome stuff. They don't have a second-team quarterback, but they do have an other-team quarterback. I know what the first team is. I know what the second team is, even if there's nobody there. I know what the third team is. The hell exactly does other team mean? Besides the most weird-ass and most Texans thing ever. I mean, is that the team that's made up of franchise players who demanded a trade and are currently under investigation for criminal acts and facing civil litigation. Because that's what that sounds like. I mean, like in the past, when the Texans have put a great player on the, quote, other team, it involved trading to Andre Hopkins to Arizona for nothing at all. Or in the case of Dwayne Brown, the other team was the Seattle Seahawks. Same thing with Jadavian Clowney. But let's leave the depth chart alone for a minute. And let me ask you this. Exactly what the hell are they doing? Seriously, the hell are they doing with their football team? Because right now it looks like they're happy to pay Deshaun Watson more than 10 mil a year to sit on, quote, the other team this year. They're happy to pay this guy 10 mil a year to not play. And they're doing all of this for a guy who does not want to be there and who is facing multiple allegations and investigations. 10 mil to that guy. And it just goes beyond Deshaun Watson, right? It goes to their general approach. They are not going to be good this year. They're pretty much tanking this year. And yet they're doing it with the second oldest roster in the NFL, according to Philly Voice. You know, it stands to reason, right? If you're going to tank, the classic move is to be bad with young players. Throw the kids out there, figure out who you have, what you have, lose a bunch of games, and then start to rebuild with these youngsters who will show you something. Or not. 
The Texans, though, on the other hand, are going with old guys who are going to lose. Yeah, so I guess maybe, maybe the argument is they're trade bait. But how many teams are really looking at the Texans roster and thinking to themselves, man, I can't wait to get my hands on their guys. I can't wait to get my hands on a bunch of their players. I mean, believe this. Their trash is not another man's treasure. It's just their trash. Except for Watson, who apparently has generated some interest. Because according to Charles Robinson, good friend of the program, multiple teams have asked about Deshaun Watson. As an example, the Miami Dolphins reportedly are very, very interested in Deshaun Watson. PFT reported that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, quote, really wants, end quote, Deshaun Watson. Again, a player who does not want to be a Texan and who is currently under and facing multiple allegations and a guy that the team is not planning on playing this year. But Houston reportedly will not budge off their asking price. And according to reports, that asking price is three first-round picks and a pair of second-round picks. Three first-rounders and a pair of second-rounders. To which I say, (laughs) good bleeping luck with that. Look, I understand you don't want to trade a franchise quarterback. I understand that you don't want to move a guy who's a potential Hall of Famer. I know how good this guy can be when he's right. I know that if you're going to trade him, you want to make sure you get everything you possibly can in return. You want to maximize that value. And most of all, I get that you're sick and tired of the entire league laughing at you for giving DeAndre Hopkins away. And frankly, laughing at you for pretty much every trade that came before it. I get all that but three first-round picks and a couple of second-round picks for somebody who is potentially about to be facing criminal charges and a potential suspension from the league. Three firsts and two seconds for somebody who does not even want to play for you ever again. Three firsts and two seconds for somebody that you're going to put on the, quote, other team and pay more than 10 mil just to sit there and do nothing. So again, I ask the question, the hell are the Houston Texans doing anyway? I mean, I understand asking for something like this maybe six months ago. That feels like a reasonable package before all these allegations started coming out. But now we're talking about a guy who's got some questions around him, to say the least. And at the very least, at the absolute minimum, there are questions about his judgment and his character. Oh, oh, and that thing about him saying he would never play for you ever again. And yet you still want a Herschel Walker Hall in return. Telling you. Crazy thing is, if reports are correct, it isn't just that the Texans want three firsts and two seconds. It's that they won't even put in any protections in the event that Watson is charged or punished or suspended for the accusations he's currently facing telling you, man, I I get them trying to get what they can for this guy as much as they can. They should. But get this. They could not be handling this any worse than they are. But then again, that's exactly who they are. So how would you expect them to handle it? I mean, they are the Texans. And regardless of how it plays out, you can take this to the bank. They will find the worst possible solution. 
you can trade him and get something for him, or you can just pay him 10 mil and get absolutely nothing at all from him or for him. Yeah, for the Texans, that probably is a no-brainer. Why get something for a guy who wants nothing to do with you when you can pay him a ton of dough and not get anything at all? Or maybe you have another plan. But knowing you and your history, if you do, it'll be all wrong. Because knowing you and your history, when you do something, anything at all, it's always the wrong thing. Wrong. I don't know. Maybe the Texans left that blank because they're following all the cam to Houston buzz on Twitter. I mean, why the hell not if you're the Texans? I get why people want that. What I don't think people want, though, is Oge's opinion on any of this. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Well, today it's all about Cam Newton, and uh, I got to admit, when this COVID-19 thing came up this past week and I saw that he was going to miss five days of uh, uh, camp, I said, well, there goes the starting job uh, because uh, uh, this Mac Jones has been spectacular. Uh, And once Cam lost that starting job, I'm still a little surprised they let him go because it's not like they're paying him an exorbitant amount of money for a quarterback. But I don't think Cam is cut out to be the backup. I think as long as he's fighting for the job, uh, he's going to be positive and on the sideline. Yeah, 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 I know, clones. I know. Uh, Cut. Cam got cut, so therefore Juice is an expert on the topic. Signed Bill Walsh. I I know, clones. I I see you. I see you workshopping some bad Pat's cutting Cam like Oge cut Ron and Nicole email. Not at all tired. Not at all fresh. Not at all amusing. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make smarter money decisions, LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. Monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, and get automatic alerts to protect your identity. And LendingTree can help make sure that you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights into saving money and reaching your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off a debt, buy a home, build credit, or just make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. Download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. See why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. Andy Staples is my guest. Andy, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. Yes, I've added fake high schools to my uh, to my resume. Oh yes, you know I'm going to get there. I can't wait to get there. We're talking fake high school football too. All right, first, why don't we talk about actually some college slash pro football? I'm talking about Mac Jones. You wrote a piece on Mac Jones last October when he was still at Alabama. Andy, are you at all surprised that he came to the NFL and beat out Cam Newton and is the starting quarterback now for the Pats? Not in the least after what I saw him do at Alabama because. Uh, Mac was one of those guys, he, he was the second recruit 
a quarterback recruit in a class. And a lot of times when, when teams take a big-time QB recruit, they'll take someone who's a little bit lower rated uh, just to, just kind of as a hedge against if the, the big star recruit ends up transferring. Well, the big star recruit in Mac's class happened to be Tua Tungavailoa, who we all know turned out just great. Uh, but Mac just stuck it out behind him, hung out. Everyone assumed that another five-star quarterback would, would just take to his place, and they thought it'd be Bryce Young, who will be the starter for Alabama this year. But Max, like, you know what? I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy to compete with him. I know I'll be all right. And sure enough, when Tua got hurt against Mississippi State as a junior, Mac came in, finished out that season strong, beat out Bryce Young, and, and you saw how quickly he took command of that Alabama offense. I mean, that was the best offense that Alabama has ever had. And I realized they had Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, but you could argue that Tua had more weapons the previous year than Mac had last year, and that offense just couldn't be stopped. We're talking to Andy Staples. Andy, one more thought about that. Like, there's this great quote in the piece where Jones says, most people would never say it to my face, but some people would come straight up to me and say, you're never going to play at Alabama, end of quote. So what's that say about him that he still went to Alabama despite that kind of feedback? Oh, it pissed him off. He he, just, he, he fed off that stuff, and I guarantee you he fed off all the, the times he got clowned going into the draft. Uh, remember there was the whole, will San Francisco pick him at number three or whether, are they going to pick Trey Lance? And I, there were a lot of hot takes about Mac Jones. And he's, he's very similar to Baker Mayfield in that respect where he remembers all that stuff and he uses it. We're talking to Andy Staples. All right, so speaking of rookie quarterbacks, let me move ahead. You've also been covering Trevor Lawrence with Jacksonville. How did he look to you against the Cowboys? He looked fantastic. Now, it was not the Cowboys' starting defense. Uh, I've been watching on Hard Knocks, and I'm like, who are these guys? <laughs> that's, that's, that's not DeMarcus Ware uh, out there, and, and it's not Trevon Diggs out there. So take it for what it's worth. But Lawrence was also playing behind an offensive line uh, with, with, that only had one starter, and the, the Jacksonville coaches almost didn't play him because they were worried about getting him killed. Uh, he had been hit a lot by the Saints. And the line, which had been playing some backups, hadn't held up. So they didn't know what to do. But I think that helped them against the Cowboys because they got a chance to see what he can really do. They got a chance to see some stuff that works with him, moving, moving the pocket a little bit, uh, kind of doing some bubble screen type stuff where you've got high percentage throws uh, that guys like Levisky Chenault can turn into more yards. And then that makes the, the wow throws even easier. You know, he has that long uh, pass down the right sideline to Philip Dorsett. That's the sort of throw he can make that not a lot of other quarterbacks on the planet can make as well as he can. And so if, if they can protect him, he can make this team better. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team or anything, but they won one game last year. Their trajectory will go the right direction if they, if they handle Trevor Lawrence properly. Andy Staples is my guest. All good stuff, all good insight, but I've held off long enough. I want to get into that piece that you co-wrote for The Athletic on Bishop Sycamore. When did you first get the sense that something was a little bit off with BS High? So I was actually sitting in AT&T Stadium waiting for Urban Meyer to come talk about that Jaguars-Cowboys game, and I saw some stuff on Twitter saying, this team playing IMG Academy doesn't belong on the field. And so I popped it up on, on my YouTube TV on my phone real quick and just watched a couple of plays because there was nobody in the press conference yet. And I hit record on it when Urban walked in just to go back and see it later. And it just, 
I, it just blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind once I saw it. IMG Academy is a super team. It is essentially a, a team of the best players in the whole country. They get scholarships to go to this school. It was originally Nick Volatari's tennis school, and they added a bunch of other sports through the years. And so this football program, every single player is a Power 5 recruit. So they're just demolishing these kids. And then you find out later that the, the Bishop Sycamore team played Friday night and then played again on Sunday. So, I mean, they're, they're lucky they didn't get anybody killed. There it is that. Now, when did you find out terms of the details of the school? For example, when was that school founded? Where is that school located? So it was founded in 2019 in Columbus, Ohio, only because there was another school in Columbus called Christians of Faith Academy that we're not exactly sure. It's the same guy who started it. He was using a loan that had been taken out while he was purporting to be in connection with a church. The church has since disavowed any knowledge of, of the project. But So they, they did a team. That all fell apart after the state association in Ohio came in. And then they just sort of renamed it and, and made it another team. And I talked to some guys who played. At one point, there was a school element to it. I'm not sure there is much of a school element anymore, but some of these kids aren't even in high school anymore. Some of them have graduated. They're doing what's called a, a prep year, which you can do. Like, you can go play at a prep school for a year and then go play college football. But the prep schools tend to identify themselves as prep schools, and they don't play against regular high schools usually. All right, so Andy, how can a team bluff and lie its way into playing into a nationally televised football game? I mean, exactly how does that happen, and why was that not stopped? Well, ESPN says the marketing company that sold us the game, they're, they're the ones at fault, which, okay, yes, but you're the ones who put it on your air. And the marketing company, which is called Paragon, has been making games for ESPN for almost 20 years. And to their credit, they, they've all, almost all been great matchups. I mean, these are the people that, that first put LeBron James on ESPN as a high school student. Uh, the first time Tim Tebow appeared on national television was when he was in high school in 2005 and is one of their games. And so they've delivered over and over and over again. Well, in this case, they got a roster from this, this team in, in the spring, and there were a bunch of names on it, and these were guys that had legitimate D1 offers. Well, it turned out, Hardly any of those guys were on the team. And so nobody bothered to go back and check if, if that was the actual team. And then what you saw Sunday was the result. We're talking to Andy Staples. So let me ask you this. Is that a one-off? Like, is, is Bishop Sycamore an isolated case? Like, one rogue school? Or do you get the sense that there might be more Bishop Sycamores out there? Uh, there's probably a few more out there. This is, what this is, is is somebody in football trying to copy something that's happened in basketball. Because in basketball, for years, there have been schools that sort of spring up around one good player. And like there, there's a guy named Imani Bates who just committed to Memphis. He was playing for a school basically called Imani Bates High. So <laughs> you know, that, that happens in basketball a lot. But it's easier in basketball. You need, you need like six guys. You need a hoop. Uh, you can take online classes. You can actually do it fairly easily. With football, you need like – 40 guys, and you need very expensive equipment, and you need a field. And there's just so much more stuff involved, so much more buy-in cost, that you can't just create what IMG Academy is from scratch. I mean, IMG Academy is funded by William Morris Endeavor. Like, the the students who do pay tuition at the school, and most of the football players, the good football players are on scholarship, 
but the tuition paying students are paying like a hundred grand a year. So you can't just create this out of, out of nothing. No, and by the way, if I'm not mistaken, Andy, IMG's got 10 guys in the Rivals' top 250 in the class of 2022 alone. I mean, they are an absolute powerhouse. Before I let you go, I'm sure Nebraska fans would rather you and I keep talking about this. i got to ask you about Nebraska and their loss to Illinois. Just how bad are things right now for Nebraska? It's very bad. It is, uh, you know, the Illinois thing was such a measuring stick game and such a gauge for where they are in year four under Scott Frost. They should be able to beat Illinois by now. Like, there, there is no excuse for them to be what we can presume to be a, yet another sub-500 team. Uh, I mean, Scott Frost led UCF to a 13-0 record in 2017. It's reasonable to expect by year four that you can get Nebraska to a bowl game. And I'm just not sure they're there. I, I mean, if they, if they are going to play like they played on Saturday, they will not make a bowl this year. And chances are Nebraska is going to have to start over again. All right, so to that point, Andy, you pointed this out in your program as well. A lot of Nebraska fans already are starting over. They've already turned the page on Scott Frost. They're already looking for a replacement. What do you make of that and some of the candidates that Nebraska fans have raised? Well, I, I wouldn't uh... – wouldn't go too far into those candidate lists. I saw some, you know, Will Muschamp was on that list. He's, he's been fired by Florida and South Carolina. Uh, you know, they want Zach Taylor, of course, former Nebraska player. He's a sitting NFL coach, so I think he's probably busy. But I, I just, I feel bad for them because everybody thinks Nebraska fans want the 90s to come back. They think that, you know, they're just waiting for the next Tommy Frazier to walk through that door and Tom Osborne. But that's not what they want. They, they just want, they want to be something close to what Wisconsin is. They want to win nine games every year or so. They want to compete for the Big Ten West title every once in a while. And they'd be happy with that. And they, they can't even get to a bowl game right now. And that, that is exceptionally frustrating for people who were used to a lot more success than that. Right, so really quickly, when you consider the success, for instance, that Frost had at UCF, how do you explain the struggles for him at Nebraska? One, I think they've just not really developed an identity. At UCF, they, they developed their identity fairly quickly because Frost had ID'd McKenzie Milton as a quarterback he liked back when he was assistant in, an assistant at Oregon. And basically it came down to McKenzie Milton or Justin Herbert for a scholarship slot, and Justin Herbert was local. And so, of course, he was going to get it, and obviously that worked out very well for, for everyone involved. Uh, but when Scott Frost took the UCF job, Mackenzie Milton was still out there, and he said, okay, well, come, come play for me at UCF. And he's the most important player on that, that 17 team. He started as a freshman in 16 and, and developed. And then there were good players on the roster when Frost took over. You know, they had gone 0-12 in 2015. But George O'Leary had had success there. They just the players got sick of him, wouldn't play for him anymore, and so they found good players on that roster, like the, the Griffin twins, Shaquille and, and Shaquem. Shaquem was buried on the depth chart at safety. They turned him into one of the best outside linebackers in the country, and so they kind of knew what they were there. And I'm not sure they've ever known what they are at Nebraska. I mean, Adrian Martinez is the quarterback. He's clearly a great runner, dynamic runner, not a very good passer. But you watch the Illinois game. And they're playing him like he's, he's just a drop-back guy. Right. Hey, we're back. Making new memories in a new world. You know, I found the best way to hold on to those memories is by turning them into art. 
or it will last forever from paintyourlife.com. Now, when I heard about paintyourlife.com, I thought that is an amazing idea, an amazing idea for birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, etc. But I figured, man, it's got to be expensive, right? No, not so. These paintings are amazing. The quality is incredible, but truly affordable. It's an amazing value proposition. So if you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you've got to try paintyourlife.com. Get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price or combine photos of people or places that you love into one single painting. Choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. The process is incredible. It's meaningful, it's personal, and it can be cherished forever. At PaintYourLife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this amazing offer, text the word ROME to 64000. That's ROME to 64000. Text ROME to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text Rome to 64000. Bryson DeChambeau had himself a day Sunday. He missed that 12-footer on 18, which would have won him the BMW championship. Then he missed three more birdie putts in the playoff that would have ended it. And then he missed a final putt to ultimately lose to Patrick Cantlay. Then he lost his mind altogether. Let me read this from Kevin Van Valkenburg's description of Bryson's walk after losing the tournament. He writes, quote, Halfway up the hill, something happened that made me feel like we've arrived at a miserable place in the never-ending circus that is DeChambeau. A patron waited until DeChambeau had walked by, but was not out of earshot, and then sneered from over the rope line, quote, Great job, Brooksy! DeChambeau spun around in a rage and began briefly walking in his direction. Quote, you know what? Get the bleep out, DeChambeau yelled. He had rage in his eyes, end quote. So he F-bombed this fan. Get the bleep out. oh Athletes looking to swing on paying customers is never a good thing. And no, that's not me overreacting. Even if that's all DeChambeau ever does, check out what Van Valkenburg also wrote. Quote, I'm being dead serious when I say it could have gotten ugly really fast. Maybe not malice at the palace bad, but in that moment, nothing would have surprised me. End quote. Yet, gentlemen's game my ass. Not if one of the biggest stars in the game is going to the other side of the rope to knock somebody the hell out, allegedly. Not if it's being compared to a potential malice in the palace situation. So, things have gotten completely out of hand, right? Yeah, not really. But the PGA seems to think so because Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan reminded everyone, quote, fans who breach our code of conduct are subject to expulsion from the tournament and loss of their credential or ticket, end quote. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I guess that sounds fine. I'm good with that, I guess. But is fans taunting DeChambeau by calling him Brooksy really that? That's a breach of your code of conduct? 
That's the reason to kick somebody out? That's a reason to rip their credential or their ticket? Yeah, I mean, apparently so, because the commissioner also added this. You know, the barometer that we, we, we are all using is the word respect. And to me, when you hear Brooksy yelled or you hear any expression yelled, the question is that respectful or disrespectful? That has been going on for an extended period of time. To me, at this point, it's disrespectful. And that's the kind of behavior that we're not going to tolerate going forward. Yeah, so good luck with that terrible idea, Kamish. How does that make any sense at all? Look, I understand you want to protect your players, but ejecting fans who yell Brooksy Brooksy. at Bryson is not protecting Bryson. It's making Bryson look really soft and really weak. It looks like he's a guy who can throw around a ton of weight in the gym, talk junk, but then gets butt hurt and his feelings hurt and all wounded when somebody says Brooksy near Brooksy. him. I mean, that is such a terrible look. That makes that ultimately shredded golfer look soft and doughy as hell. Now, I wasn't there for the incident after he blew that tournament on Sunday, so I don't know exactly what happened or what was said or what was done or not said. But if you read that piece, the issue is not the fan who yelled Brooksy. Brooksy. It's the fact that Brycey is responding and that he responded the way he did. It's the fact that DeChambeau, quote, spun around in a rage and began briefly walking in his direction. And it's the fact that he yelled out, quote, you know what? Get the F out. And that he, quote, had rage in his eyes. So again, I was not there. But it sure seems like he's the problem. That's the problem in the situation. Yeah, and yes, I understand. Dude just lost a tournament that he should have won. And by the way, should have won it multiple times. And he failed. And he probably did feel like crap. And there's got to be a combination of frustration and anger at himself as he walked off that last hole. But you know what you can't do in that situation? Respond. Respond to the fans. F-bomb the fans. Get hooked by the fans. Let them know that they're under your skin and they're in your head. And you sure as hell can't be walking towards them aggressively and F-bombing them with rage in your eyes. All right, so that's a Bryson problem, not a fan problem, not a Brooksy problem. Brooksy. And by the way, the tour is not solving it with this. They're not making it better. They're making it worse, much, much worse. Believe me, they'll be coming with much worse heat than Brooksy. Brooksy. Heat that I can't repeat here. Or as James Hahn tweeted, quote, it's official. Calling Bryson anything but his real name will get you thrown out of a golf tournament. So if any of you call me Kevin Na, Danny Lee, or Sang Mu Bay, we're going to have some problems, end quote. He's exactly right. Nailed it. Lee Westwood chimed in, quote, I've been called Lumpy, Usti, Clarky, amongst other names that I can't mention, on and off for the past 25 years. And now you bring a rule in? End quote. He's also right. As Westwood points out, man, it's part of the sport. Fans getting on your case is part of the game. And yes, while there may be a line, calling Bryson Brooksy, Brooksy. is not over the line. It's tame, man. It's nothing. 
The only reason why it's a thing is because Brooksy, Brooksy. goes ballistic every time he hears it. This dude literally thinks that it's a reason to go. You know that universal list of reasons to go that I always run down. This is not on it, but he seems to think it is. Bruh, deal with this. People don't like you. And the fact is, it's not just a you thing. It's an anyone who has ever been in the public eye thing. And for an alleged rocket scientist, you're not too bright not to understand this. My man, explain to me how you can split the atom, but you can't figure out how to play the game while a few fans are calling you Brooksy. Brooksy. Because they happen to like the guy you beef with way more than they like you. And now you're looking for the tour to get those meanies to leave you alone? Dude, softest look ever. This guy who has supposedly built himself into one of the finest physical specimens ever to pick up a golf club. Like I said, this guy is built like a brick bleep house, but he can't play through somebody calling him Brooksy. How weird is that? How soft is that? How is calling someone Brooksy a reason to go? Hey, listen, don't get me wrong. Like, to me, this whole Brooksy thing is already played out. It's pretty tired. It's pretty hack. And I'd be pretty happy if it went away. But it's like those dopes who used to shout various steak and potato orders off the tee. Or the idiot who screams, get in the hole on a par five. No different. The PGA just hit this entire thing with gasoline. If you think that's going to stop people from yelling Brooksy at him, you're wrong. Dead wrong. If anything, they're going to yell it even more. They're going to yell it even louder. And they're going to yell other things that are much worse. You want to know how you make that thing go away? You know what you do? Nothing. You do nothing and it will stop. It may take a moment or two, but trust me. You do nothing and it will stop. Man, everybody looks bad here. So, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a very simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. I have it. I use it. I love it. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. Get rid of all that clutter and all that confusion and get your TV together once and for all with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. He is Ross Tucker. Ross, what's going on? How are you? Jim, I'm fantastic, man. It's September. I love. I feel like you have in your calendar September 1st. Time to get Ross on the show. <laughs> That's exactly what I have. You know it. Every single year, I've got that day uh, circled and scheduled. So let's get into this before we talk about some of the specifics, Ross. I'm curious because yesterday was cut down day in the NFL. As you point out, it's not actually the final cut down day. Rosters can still change a little bit. But as somebody who did play in that league for seven years, what was that day like for you as a player? Can you describe the emotions that you would feel throughout that entire day? Absolutely. So a couple of things. First of all, it's the first time ever we've had this much time 
between final cutdowns and the first game. Remember, if you're a vested veteran, meaning it's your fifth year or later and you're on an opening day roster, your salary is guaranteed for the rest of the year. So I would imagine a lot of these teams, Jim, will be about three to five guys different than they are right now. I mean, the waiver claims are just coming in over the last hour or so. They'll start to put a bunch of guys on short-term IR. Then they'll put other guys on practice squad. After week one, they'll cut some guys. They can bring some veterans back. You never really feel like you made it. Although I will say, legitimately, Jim, two of the five to ten most impactful days of my life were yesterday, you know, final cutdown day. My, my rookie year, when I made the team in Washington, I mean, I, I just can't even tell you. I'm down in Virginia, and all I had was a gym bag. I didn't really think I was going to make the team. All I had was a gym bag for training camp, and I they kept me as the last offensive lineman. I had to drive back to Pennsylvania. I, I cannot even tell you, Jim, that drive on the way home to Pennsylvania, two and a half hours, calling my mom, my dad, my high school coach, my college coach, my best friend, my girlfriend who's now my wife. I mean, that. I will remember that forever. I get chills just telling you about it right now. And without question, one of the top five days in my life. And I'm married with two kids, yet that, that fits in the top five for sure. Conversely, six years later, I think I started the night before for the Browns in uh, the last preseason game. They had traded for me from New England. I started the last three preseason games. I thought I was going to be starting the opener against the Saints a week later, I had my phone on silent, Jim. That's how confident I was. I look over, and I saw I got a a missed call from a Cleveland number, and I thought, there's no way. There's no way. Answer it. They tell me to come in, and I find out that they're trading for Hank Fraley. They're not even keeping me as the backup because then my salary would be guaranteed, and I had to drive six hours from Cleveland back to where I'm from in Pennsylvania. Definitely top five worst day of my life. So think about that, man. Two of the ten uh, most notable, impactful days of my life both took place on final cutdowns, for sure. These are amazing anecdotes, Ross. So let me ask you this. Like, when you compare the highs being high, the lows being low, what's more intense? Is the high of the high higher than the low being low, or are the lows more devastating than the highs are good? I would say... You know, I got cut four times, traded once. I don't think anything quite reaches the high of making it that first time. I mean, dude, I, I was 22. You know, I didn't go to Prince and think I was going to play in the NFL. And when, when I didn't get that call, by the way, I didn't even know, Jim, that they don't call you to tell you you made the team. They only call you to tell you if you're cut. So they said to stay in your hotel room till noon. It's like 12.15. They still haven't called me, and I'm like, what? I call my agent. They, nobody ever told me that they only call you to tell you that you're cut. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a call with, like, Ross, congratulations. You made the team. Like, it doesn't happen like that. Incredible. So I called my agent. My agent had to call the team, and he called me back. He's like, oh, man. Oh, man. I'm like, what? He's like, this is unbelievable. I'm like, what? He's like, you made it. You made it. And he's like, you're going to get whatever it was, 12500 a week for the next you know, back then, the minimum 20 years ago, 20 years ago, 2001, Jim, minimum was 209. Now it's 660 mm. for a rookie. But 
that high of being able to tell everybody important in my life that my dream came true. Like I'm fighting not to like get choked up as I talk to you. After that though, the other years where I made it, it was just like almost a relief. Like the other years it was like, all right, I'm still good. You know, I'm still in it. I'm still good. After that though, the last two times I got cut, I got cut in Buffalo. Um, even though I started 13 games the year before, it was the first time I got cut after I was married. So my wife, Jim, she resigned from her job on Wall Street working with J.P. Morgan in New York. She moves to Buffalo, dude. Buffalo. I have a back surgery. I, I tear my hamstring, hurt my neck in camp, and then they call me and they're cutting me. And I'll never forget driving home. I, I called my best friend because it's like, man, I'm 26. I just got married three months earlier, and now me getting hurt or getting cut wasn't just messing with my life. It was messing with my wife's life. That was hard, and I, I told you the Cleveland one. So I would say the initial high is the highest, but then after that, it's more relief the other years when you make it, and it's real low when you get cut, especially A, when you think you're going to make it, or B, when you're affecting other people's lives at that point. All right, so I'm so glad that you laid that out like that. The average fan, I think, has no idea exactly what guys like you and others go through in that league. So, Ross, when you lay it out like that, I'm really curious. Like, what do you think Cam Newton is a former number one pick overall and an MVP is thinking now that he was cut, and what was your reaction to it? I think he's probably really surprised. Um, I think he probably thought he was going to start the opener, and if he played well, he would stay in there as long as he played. Well, he, he's not dumb, right? He knows the deal. He knows they drafted Mac Jones. But I think he was, thought he was going to get the chance to start the season, and as long as he played well, be in there, to not only not win the starting job, but just to get cut outright is probably a little stunning for him. But here's what's kind of crazy about it, Jim. You know, they gave him the $2 million signing bonus. He got the hundred grand workout bonus, but his one point five million salary for this year from the Patriots, it's guaranteed. So he could either be a backup for one point five million, or he could do nothing for one point five million. And where this is really gonna be interesting for Cam, and I tweeted this earlier today at Ross Tucker NFL, any dollar he gets from another team just offsets what the Patriots owe him. So the minimum for Cam is a little under 1-1. So let's just say everybody says Cowboys, or everybody throws out all these team names for Cam. Let's say he signed with the Cowboys for the minimum. He's literally playing for free, Jim. He's playing for free because he gets that money from New England anyway. So he's going to practice and meetings and staying on the sideline and all of that for $0.00 and $0.00 because it's just coming off the money that New England already owes him, which is why it makes no sense to me for Cam to sign anywhere anytime soon. I think he's going to bide his time, be patient, wait for some injuries, and hope that there's an injury or two and a team says, you know what, we can bring Cam in, we can run him, he can compete with this backup that we don't love and give him a chance to actually play. Otherwise, I, I don't really know why he would do it unless he just wanted to, to stay in it. 
No, I think you're right. I, I totally agree with that. Because of that offset guarantee and that language, I think you'd be much better off waiting for the right opportunity. The right opportunity. No matter how emotional you get, no matter how you want to get right back into it and prove to the world, man, I still got this. I can still do it. I, I would take a step back, take a deep breath, and remember that he's got that kind of guarantee. One more thing, Ross, about that. Is there any doubt in your mind that the vaccination decisions played a role in who was cut and who wasn't? And not just in that situation, but around the league. Well, so absolutely vaccination status was a factor. And everybody knows it. You know, it's one of those things I don't like in life where it's like it's common sense. Of course it should be. But because the NFL and the NFLPA didn't mandate it, you can't say that out loud. And Urban Meyer is a guy that he a couple times now, he has said the quiet part out loud. Like, nobody's told him, like, the vaccinations. You know what I mean? Like, you, right. you can't say that, dude. So that's number one. Number, specifically as it relates to Cam, I think it's funny because when Belichick says that his vaccination status isn't a factor in the, in the team cutting him, I guess maybe there's some truth to that. But at a minimum, Jim, it was. I mean, the fact that because he's not vaccinated, he had to get tested every day and he wasn't allowed to leave, but he thought he could leave and get tested somewhere else, supposedly. And then and then Mac Jones had five days with the ones that absolutely played. So there's there's nobody will ever debate that that Cam's vaccination status or at least the misunderstanding had some impact on that. I'll say this, though, too, Jim, that whole thing is really bizarre to me. Okay. You know, the Patriots are not an organization that make very many mistakes. So either Cam really screwed up, and they won't say it publicly, but that really angered the Patriots that he didn't follow the right protocols. Or theoretically, someone on the Patriots, you know, gave him the wrong information and said, oh, yeah, you can go back to Charlotte for a day or whatever. You just got to get tested down there. I guess – my my radar my, my radar and antenna goes up if that's the case that somebody in New England wouldn't have checked. I'm not saying they wanted him to miss the protocol and they wanted him to be out five days, but that's not very patriot-like for them to not cross that T or dot that I. I would agree. There's something about that, Ross, that is unusual. I mean, how my point is, and especially if you're not vaccinated, you better know the protocols better than you know that playbook. So I, I, I can't imagine for the life of me that he didn't know or the fact that he just left and didn't say to the team, hey, I'm good, right? I'm good if I do it this way. I agree. There's something about that that seems off. Let me ask you this. And you know Ross, what, too, Jim? Yeah. You know what? I, I, know, I know we all say the politically correct thing and, you know, it's your body and you have the choice. And you do. Everybody listening, they, they have the choice whether or not they get the vaccination. I think the difference between NFL players – and everybody else listening, or even you and me, Jim, is you're on a, you're kind of on a team, dude. You know, I mean, and now Wentz is out for five days because he's a close contact who's not vaccinated. And it's one thing I can remember playing, and there'd be guys that wouldn't fight through injuries like some of the rest of us would, and it would bother you. It would bother you, but you'd also say, well, that's just him. And, okay, maybe he doesn't want to go out there at less than 100%. It's his career. Okay. That, to me, is a lot different than guys missing games because they're not vaccinated. 
And I just, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but, uh, you know, there have been, Kirk Cousins went on the list, Wentz went on the list. The protocols for going on the COVID list as a close contact are way different if you're unvaccinated than if you are vaccinated. So it, it can very easily be the case that guys like Wentz and Cousins miss games, like regular season games this year, not because they, they got to COVID or they tested positive, but because they were close contact and they're not vaccinated. I can't even imagine what the uproar is going to be like on sports talk radio in those cities if a starting quarterback misses two games because he's not vaccinated. Not because he's hurt, not because he tested positive, but just because he's a close contact. I mean, it's going to be – I hope those guys have thought it through because it's going to be bad for them in the media, and I'm not sure it's going to be great for them in the locker room either. See, that was going to be my next point, Ross. What about that? You're right. I mean, it'll play out the way it plays out on social and on talk radio and in the media, and fans will be fans. But I'm really curious about their peers. I'm really curious about their teammates. How would that play in an NFL locker room? I think there will be some guys that are very frustrated. I think every team is like over 90% now. So it's like, hey, we all did it. You know, we're all part of this team. We're all doing it because, A, we want to try to do everything, you know, people think to try to keep each other healthy. But, B, we, don't, we, we know what these rules are. We don't want to miss any games. And to have the starting quarterback miss a game. I know in Indy they're going crazy right now. You know, it almost makes it hard – to be a leader and hard to come across as an unselfish person in this instance. I'm not talking about everybody, all your listeners. I know you got millions of listeners. They're great. I'm just saying as part of a team where you're in a situation where there's rules and you can miss games just for being a close guy. Cause a lot of times, Jim, it's been the, it's been the strength coaches and the trainers testing positive. And then they've been the close contacts, or I guess it was a backup quarterback for the Vikings. You don't know who the guy is that tests positive, and if you happen to be the close contact around them, you're going to miss time. And I think it's hard to not look at it, if you're another guy in that locker room, as them being selfish and almost feeling like, listen, man, I, I know you aren't a big fan of it. I know you have your reasonings, but we're, we're, we're a team. Like, if you, if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for the rest of us. I totally agree with that, especially if you're a quarterback and you're front and center and the team is taking its cue from you and you set the tone and you're the guy who's got to lead from the front and you're not willing to do that and there are 52 other guys in that locker room that are counting on you to be available. I think that's totally fair what you just said. Ross, one last thought, and I hate to keep it this long. I never would, but there's something really interesting to me also, and it's personal to you. Because you played guard, I'm really curious what your reaction was when you heard Jadavian Clowney say that he likes lining up against the interior and facing guards because, quote, we feel like they're the unathletic guys, the guard position. They're not real athletes down there. Knowing what you put into it, Ross, knowing how much you cared about it, I'm really curious what you think about a guy like that saying they're not real athletes down there. Yeah, so first of all, Jim, you can always keep me as long as you want. The reaction I get when I'm on your show, it's amazing. So you never have to – I'll stay forever. Glad to hear that. Uh, That's number one. Uh, As far as Clowney's comments, you know, Jim, some guys just really don't think things through. 
And I'm sure that's what the D coordinator is saying to him. And he's just relaying that. Hey, Jadeveon, we want to bring you down over the guard at times. They're not used to going against a guy like you with your wiggle. You know, they're not used to pass proing against a guy with your body type. And he's right about that. But what I would say, Jim, is number one, doesn't he, isn't he in the same locker room as Wyatt Teller and Joel Petonio? Two of the best guards in the league and two really athletic dudes. Like, dude, there's kind of guards on your team, first of all, that you see every day. And I, and I know they probably understand what he's getting at, but it's like, you know, think about what you're saying. The biggest thing for me, though, Jim, is why would you ever do anything in a physical sport to put a little bit more of a bullseye on yourself, right? You're, we're talking about young, virile men in their 20s that are looking to mess other dudes up anyway. And then that week, I can just picture, you know, the O-line coach coming in and being like, Hey, uh, Tucker, uh, Brown, Tucker, Valerio, whatever. You know, um, remember, uh, Tucker, Andre Girard, Kalani says you guys aren't athletes. I can just picture us. I mean, dude, Jim, you're like 25, 26, 27. I can just be like, all right, we know what we need to do. And what that means is if one of us gets freed up in pass protection, if one of us has a shot, let's say one of us grabs him and the other one is free, you try to kill the dude. Like, it's just you, you don't want to give – offensive lineman or anybody for that matter, a little extra incentive to try to physically punish you, to try to smash your face. You just, I mean, I, I would just go into that game being like, all right, like you just don't like when people talk trash at all, let alone saying something stupid like that. It would just give me that little extra motivation to, if I had the, the right opportunity to just hit him a little bit harder, try to put my helmet right in his ribs. I mean, it's just, look, it's, I would never say anything that would put more of a bullseye on my back. It's hard enough as it is. It's such a great response, especially in a combat sport. That's the kind of thing you get from this guy. Seven years in the NFL, an NFL analyst. He is host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Westwood One, and CBS Sports Network broadcaster. Make sure to follow him at Ross Tucker NFL and to check out my front page story. Ross, you are the best, man. Appreciate you so much, dude. Great job. Anytime, Jim. Thank you. So you're hanging out with some friends, and you're putting back a few drinks, and then a few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's not that big of a deal. What are the odds that you get pulled over anyway? Even so, what's the worst thing that could happen? Your insurance goes up a bit. You lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic. They're often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. This is why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. If you think it's okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead. Get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. We go to Allen in Sacktown. Good to have you, Allen. How are you? Great, Jim. How are you doing this morning? Good. Really good. I have two takes. <clears throat> the first one, because I was told you hit on this yesterday, is that I 
I have no patience for professional athletes in any sport who will not get vaccinated. It is it is selfish. It is irresponsible. It is being knowingly ignorant. The same science that makes their cell phones and cars work and gives them aspirin is the same science that developed this vaccine. You can't pick and choose your science. And you're talking about, especially in football, all those guys in one small area, face to face. You got it. You got to take advantage of it. I mean, a year ago when everyone was dying by the thousands of someone that said we have a vaccine, people would have just jumped at it before it got all politicized. I just don't understand it. And uh, uh, let me jump in, Alan. I appreciate that. In fact, I appreciate that. Thanks for that phone call. He's saying, hey, listen, there is no excuse for any professional athlete not to be vaccinated. Here's what I want to say about that. Why don't we just kind of isolate the NFL for a minute? You can politicize this thing if you want. I'm on record as saying I am pro-vaccination. I, I got vaccinated as quickly as I possibly could. And by the way, I'm waiting on a booster, and I will do that too. Ryan in Sacramento. What's going on, Ryan? How are you? Doing well. Thanks for the vine, JR. Unlike Marty and Norman, I know my place in the jungle and don't plan on coming after the big fish yet. Instead, I'm going to chum the waters and begin with the bottom feeders. You know, the water sloths who grip onto aquarium glass eating, er, cleaning all of the waste. Speaking of which, Matt in LA, your smack is garbage. Actually, I'm sorry, that's not a fair statement, because I've never tried the smack you sell on the corners every day. We should all be thanking Matt's fourth prepaid cell carrier for sparing us from his lame takes and bum smack lately. Then again, there's not a celly in Rome's collection that would get service in basements or stadium bathrooms with clogged urinal troughs. Here's the lesson, Matt. Don't throw stones when you live in a glass house. And by glass house, I mean your local 24-hour McCrackens. Since I'm a nice guy, I'll make a call at you and try to score you some extra restroom tokens. You're welcome. It's time to reinvent yourself, bro. Here's an idea. You could start with a mobile Scooby Doo-Doo cleanup business. What up, Braxy? I can even give you an inside lead to your first customer. I know a guy named Paul. Ironically, his dog actually made it through his smack-off call. Wore SDSU basketball, wore him in Sacramento, and wore the Sacktown Mafia. Party of two. I'm out. Ryan in Sacktown. The Sacktown Mafia. Who is the Sacktown Mafia? You said it's a party of two. Good night now!